Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And oh boy, have we finally wrapped up the music industry arc. I'm still sad about it. Well, yes. And that's partly because it's almost the beginning of the end. <laughs> no, you're right. We got this a few not... more good sort of arcs going. Oh, but... absolutely, we will. But yeah, there's... There's no way to avoid the conversation that we are getting close to the end of Wise Guy. And that's tragic because Wise Guy is such a fantastic show and always was. And it's, you know, so desperately important to the history of television. And so, you know, vital in any conversation about prestige television. And and we're going to be done with it soon. All right. So let's get into it, shall we? Uh, before we do, though, I, uh, I heard the funniest joke and I wanted to share it with you. So I was watching uh, I was watching a clip of old Letterman of an old Letterman, and Mort Saul was on. And okay. uh, for those of you who don't know, Mort Saul is one of the original stand-up comedians. I think that's the best way to describe it. So he was like a contemporary of Lenny Bruce and just a, a very political left-wing comedian who was, uh, I gotta say, pretty damn funny. So he was on Letterman, I think in 92 or 93, because he was, you know, they had just started working in the Ed Sullivan Theater. So he had more Saul on to talk about, you know, the old days of the theater and working with Ed Sullivan and blah, 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 blah. And so during the, his segment on Letterman, he starts talking about how, uh, you know, he would have trouble getting at a certain point. He started having trouble getting on, on Ed Sullivan because he refused to stop doing political stuff. And Ed Sullivan didn't like politics in comedy. Like he just, he just wanted people doing bits and that's what he wanted, right? And so what happens is, the story he tells is that uh, Ed Sullivan took him aside and said, you know, you got to stop with the political stuff or I can't have you on the show. It's like, why can't, why can't you be more like that friend of yours, right? Uh, and he's like, which friend of mine? You know, the little guy. Like, I, I have no idea who you mean. Ex explain to me what you're talking about, Ed. He's like, you know, the little redhead guy who's always explaining things to women. And I'm like, oh, you mean Woody Allen? <laughs> the redheaded guy. The little always... redheaded guy who's always explaining things to women. Like, yep, that's his entire career right there. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes, actually, it is. <sighs> so, yeah, I thought you'd be delighted by that. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so, yeah, if, if you haven't listened to our Woody Allen cast, I recommend it. Oh, it's a pretty bleak listen. It's pretty bleak, but I would recommend hearing what we have to say, because I think it was a lot of fun, too. All right, uh, let's get into Call It Cassaba. Uh, you better get used to this format, because you're going to see a lot more episodes like this one soon. Oh. Uh, we open we open in the Shakala Records office. Uh, it is now, so remember how the last episode, Living and Dying for, for Time, takes place over about, like, two months? Well, this is another, like, month after that. Uh, so it is essentially like, you know, Isaac's been dead for four or five months at this point, right? It's, it's honestly hard to tell, but it's been a while, right? And Amber's yes. trying to keep the company going and it's, it's all good stuff. And so Frank is there to say, again, uh, we're sorry about your husband. We have figured it out. Like you have now officially ended your contract with the U S government and 
we're giving you your company back. So Frank is there to bring the papers for her to sign so that this can all be over and done with. And meanwhile, Vinny is also showing up on the same day to like clean out the last bits of his office. And Frank mentions that, of course, they're going camping tomorrow. <laughs> well, not camping. They're going on a fishing trip tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, well, we see right away that Vinny is not too excited about this and not just because, you know, he's got to be waking up at 5 a.m. <laughs> Although I, I do like Frank's statement that uh, Vinny leaving the music industry is like turning back into a pumpkin. <laughs> because, well, compared to the rest of his jobs in the uh, <laughs> in the crime underworld, yeah, this was like a fairy tale in its own way. And so then, uh, after Frank leaves, Vinny goes to see Amber one more time, and they talk about the state of things. And honestly, like, it's weird. The, the conversation they have is basically, and you tell me if I'm reading too much into this, uh, is basically the exact same conversation they had at the end of the last episode. And to me, and this is why I want you to know if yeah. I'm reading too much into this, it kind of felt like they were worried about what would happen if someone hadn't seen the last episode. And they're like, well, let's just restate the state of play as of the last episode. And we're so used to them doing that in the FBI scenes. Whereas this episode doesn't start with an FBI scene. So it's like, you just have the characters remind us where everything is. And with the FBI scenes, it always felt like it kind of made sense that they, you know, they have to update Paul and what they've been doing. Yeah. So those scenes make sense here, where it's just like, <laughs> Vinny and Amber are just talking about stuff they already know and discussed last week. You know, it's, it feels a lot less natural than the FBI. Scene. Let me put it this way. It's oh. almost as if they knew. <laughs> it's almost as if they knew that some people hadn't watched the music industry episode so they have to reset everything yeah, yeah. it's you're, very I mean, strange but but it is strange yeah, i i, I give that. you that all right good completely because um yeah it was strange yeah okay. for sure i'm glad i wasn't being uh, i'm glad i wasn't overreacting to that all right uh, but still, you know, I mean, it's it's well written and it's well acted, but we are just like hearing Amber's overwhelmed by the business, but she thinks she can keep doing it. Vinny obviously wants to be there for her in any way she needs to help her with that. Like we, we all we all know this from last week. Yeah. We all saw it. Right. But I mean, they're good actors. Right. And they're good actors. And there's a good scene, even if the scene itself feels redundant. Like, is that that's uh, does that is that an acceptable rundown? Yes, it does sound redundant, but yeah. But That's you also I mean. have to remember there might have been a hiatus, like two or right. three weeks, because where people that's, hadn't. That's true. Yeah, I hadn't, hadn't seen. About that. So they totally got, right. they're going to, like, I mean, I mean, it turns out it's very useful because nobody gets to see the music arc. That's true. But, yeah, it is actually very useful. Although I got to say, watching this on, uh, when I watched this on Prime, it is jarring going yeah. straight to this episode. Yeah, well, because if you haven't, if you didn't know about the music episode, you're sitting there going, well, what's all this about? Yeah, right? Like, who are these people? Who are <laughs> these people? These people. Yeah, it's, it's a weird it's a weird way to start an episode. But then we have a really good scene uh, where they go on a date. Yes. Yeah, and I really enjoy that. And 
it's just, it's so weird to see Vinny so, you know, casual. Like casual and just talking about himself and his life and just being a regular person for once. Yeah. Which we almost never get to see from him as a character. Like we get so little of his quote unquote real life because of like, it isn't one of all of these stories that we constantly see with, um, what do you, uh, all these stories that we constantly see about guys who are undercover and what the challenges are about like trying to go back to your day-to-day life when you've been living undercover so long, because of course, Vinny is unique in that he is undercover as himself. So there is no separation between his life as a criminal and his life back home with people he knows and loves. And again, it's, it's why it's so much harder for him than it is for most other, uh, Uh, undercover FBI agents in fiction because most of them well there's a fake persona and they go and they live in the fake persona but you can always keep a separation between that and your real life it's just a question of how effective you are at keeping that separation whereas Vinny because he's undercover in his own persona right there is no separation whatsoever he just is who he is yeah it's, it's a fascinating bit, right? And then, of course, we get the fun scene where they go uh, down to the docks and talk about, like, the the old guys who fish down at the docks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course... And it's, Vinny and it's talks in... about how he used to fish with his father. I know. It's all very sweet. And how, how people can make fish out of... Even shoe leather fish, they can make taste good. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, yeah. the people who, well, no. And cause he's what he's talking about there. And again, it's a very well-written scene. He's talking about how, when he was a kid. Um, and again, you tell me if I'm reading too much into this, right. But when he was a kid, he really got the sense that all of the old guys knew how the world worked. Like all of the older guys, like they knew how everything worked. And I was just a punk kid and blah, 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 blah. Right. And the thing is, um, it, to me, it feels like he's saying today, you know, it's like nobody, like nobody knows the old ways. Nobody ha- knows how things work, but, a, but it was really the act of a man who is getting to be the age that quote unquote, the older guys were when he was a six year old. And he's like, I don't know how anything works. Yeah. Like, and it becomes the question, like, did those guys really know how everything works or is everybody just kind of going with the flow? And I think we both know what the truth there in that situation is. Everyone is just going along with the flow and trying to do the best they can. And the question becomes, well, are you really like, it's, it's giving up the myth uh, in your childhood that it's like there were these class of people who, oh, well, they had it all handled. You know, like the old thing, it's like, like when you get to the age your parents were, when you remember them and you're like, oh, okay. So we're all just, we're all just tap dancing. You know, (laughs) we're all just trying to stay one step ahead of everything. That, that it's oddly comforting. I mean, it's horrifying when you get that realization that everybody's trying to figure it out, but I think there's a comfort to it too. Well, we can we really only hope. Are all in this together. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> we can only hope that we're, we can all figure this out and are all in this together. I guess that is me being oddly optimistic for me, right? Yes. <laughs> Still, it's another good scene. Like, um, this, this is all about getting to the point where, right, Amber and Vinny 
can date. And we talked earlier in this season with the uh, aborted stuff, right? With Angela, mm-hmm. how they wanted to explore a relationship for Vinny. And that all got aborted with Angela when he got his injury. And that is my belief. I yep. think the evidence backs up my belief, but I mean, that is, that is officially just my belief. And so they were like, well, we still want to do that story. And then they, when they saw what they had with Amber, they're like, okay, we'll do that with Amber. We'll just get a relationship between him and Amber. And it's, it's a great start to the relationship. Like we learn a lot about Isaac and Amber and how like she wanted, like how she wanted to get into the industry. And it's like how she used to have her own band and sang. And, you know, and again, as they say, scratch any record company executive and you get a frustrated performer, (laughs) just like, just like Winston said, you know? So I thought that was nice. Right. Uh, yep. So she had a band and then she I moved love into consist- I love oh, yeah. consistency. I do. I really do. Uh, so, you know, they, uh, but uh, they have this wonderful date, right? And they really are compatible and they really aren't that different. She's also like a, a Catholic girl from New York. She's just not Italian. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she's just not Italian. And well, we'll discuss the significance of that later. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like she is, it's a bunch of months before her husband died and she is, you know, not ready to quote unquote, move on completely, but she's starting to figure out what her life is without Isaac in it, which is at the start, something she never wanted to have to do. But of course you always have to, in this kind of situation, at some point you have to say, well, okay, I have lost, you know, the love of my life, but I'm still here. So what do I do? Like, yeah. who am I now? And it's, it's good stuff. Like I yep. think it's a I think it's a really good scene and I completely buy their infatuation. And I love the note that like when they because this is the kind of people they are and this is the kind of world they live in, when they're going for a walk on the pier, there is a limo following them the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is I think it's a really nice touch. The question uh, being, whose limo is it? Well, yeah, that is a good question. I assume it's Vinny's. <laughs> Yeah. I assume it's Vinny's, but I don't know for sure. It could be hers as well. You don't know, right? Yeah. Uh, but Vinny made the mistake of say, staying all night out with Amber. So that the minute he gets home, Frank is there banging at the door, wanting to know uh, why he isn't all dressed and ready to go on their fishing trip. Because <laughs> Frank got there a little early. Of course, Frank got there a little early. And so, yeah, he has to pack up and he has to hop in the back of a car and they have to, you know, drive upstate. Well, not even upstate. I'm sure they drive to like Connecticut, right, to go uh, to go fishing someplace in Connecticut or Maine. Who the hell knows where the uh, I mean, it's possible they say where the cabin is, but I missed it. Did you? I don't know that they said where the cabin is. All right. It's just north uh, and they drove forever. Yeah, they did. It's north and they drove forever. So who knows? They could be in Vermont. Yeah, Uh, Vinny slept all day, you know. Yeah, slept all day. But you're right, because they don't get there until like four in the afternoon. So that is one hell of a drive. Uh, It's funny because, oh, and we find out what lifeguards, we've mentioned here on the show, we find out officially what lifeguard's name is, which is Daniel Benjamin Burroughs. Yep. Yeah, so Dan Burroughs is lifeguard's real name which is kind of a nice touch. So they get up, we find out that this is his cabin out in the, like it's his cabin deep in the woods. And he, uh, you know, and it's the family, his family uses it from time to time, but he hasn't been up in a couple of years. So it's 
not in fantastic shape. You know? <laughs> it's 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 looking like a bit of a wreck. There's no as uh, Vinny says, like the the newest food in the pantry is from 1986. Uh, so yeah, this being Nobody's, 1988, yeah. that's not really a comfortable thing to have I was to think to say, about. Did he get it in the divorce? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I think guess we find did. that. I I think we find that out later on. Yeah, we might in season next three year. Yeah, find out that he got it in the divorce. Yeah. Uh, right. And so we pointedly, you know, we get a picture. Um, you know, we get them looking at a picture of his daughter. So like we're we're humanizing people all across uh, all across the place here. We've got Vinny talking about the stress of his life. We got Amber like trying to figure out how she's going to go on living. And we get, you know, the drama that's going on in Lifeguard's <laughs> life as well, yes. which is quite a bit, <laughs> which is fantastic, but we'll get there. Uh, Vinny insists that they go out and get some, uh, uh, they go out and like get some actual food because by the time they all get in, it's already like six o'clock. And then I'm going out fishing at six o'clock. That would be insane. Yeah, Frank was going to go out fishing though. Yeah, Frank was ready to go. But you don't do get fish in the evening. Evening. No, no, fish run in the morning. That's just a fact. You got to get up early if you want to catch some fish. Uh, so they they but they trundle off to the local uh, the local bar, and yeah, you really it's. I mean, I'm not. I'm saying it's nice of them as if they're doing them a favor. But this episode is really a showcase for lifeguard. Yes. Right, it is, and that's what the whole episode is for. Because he's never gotten to do much on the show, and he's a hell of an actor who has like uh, he's a hell of a performer. He's an excellent singer. Yes, like so much better a singer than I would have realized before watching this. Like, well, he was he he actually not only has long bad. I mean, you can actually hear him on sometimes like Hogo Peterson's blues and stuff because he does blues and root stuff. So, oh yeah, and, and it's like he's a guy who is legitimately like known in blues circles as a yeah. talented singer and guitar player. Yeah. And so it's just like so weird to think about that because we only think of him as the guy who answers the phone when Vinny has a problem. Yeah. You know? But it's like as a performer, he's got all of this going on. And so they decide, OK, well, you've got all this. Let's just fold that into your character. And that's why he's got a guitar. Like there's a guitar in the background of a lot of his scenes, because, you know, you imagine that when he's sitting there waiting on one of the people, because he's got a whole bunch of people who call him in to do call ins. It's not just for Vinny. Right. It's uh, people all on, up and down the seaboard who he handles the call-ins for. They've established that and he's got a guitar there. So you can imagine he's, you know, playing, you know, strumming on his guitar when he's waiting to work. Because yeah. his job is a lot of waiting. And that's, again, that's just a really nice idea to picture, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's and he gets woken up in the middle of the night. He gets it's his life is totally um yeah. he is yes. well, he's not in control and that's the interesting part is fundamentally like he gets to work in that loft and it's a nice circumstance but he's not really in control of any part of his life no yeah he has to be on call 24 7 and yeah um, that's that's a stressful thing in its own way i think it's safe to say yes. so yeah like we're, we're learning a lot about him in a very satisfying way in this episode uh, and then we get another, uh, we get Frank trying to like this close to picking another fight in a bar. <laughs> Second time we've seen him do that. <laughs> right? 
He's got a uh, lot of built-up anger, you know. He does. Into a fight in a bar, it's acceptable. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you, everybody's drinking in a bar. And as you say, it is like the one socially acceptable place for, you know, men to just get out their rage at a stranger is to, you know, have a few too many in a bar and get in a fist fight. And it's like, it's it's weird. And it was, it's just between this scene where he like comes really close to punching the guy who's trying to, you know, get them women or drugs. Yeah. Because they're tourists. So of course they want women or drugs they're not locals of course they want women or drugs uh right and a guy who's pretty damn entertaining and then later right uh the right and he gets pretty close but then we remember the fight he almost got in in the the last episode of um sorry second last episode of season one when they're in the bar just waiting on news about roger and then you also have the one where he shoots out a jukebox, jukebox. playing stairway, stairway to, heaven. to heaven so it's like one thing after another uh, he's a guy who goes to a bars and drinks too much and there have probably been fist fights that we haven't seen that he was involved in when he doesn't have his caretakers around him. Yeah, when he doesn't have someone around to stop him, like it's entirely possible that there have been like a bunch of Frank Pike bar fights that we've never seen on this show. And again, it's an interesting character note from him that as you say, it's important that it is very consistent. Yes. And that's what this show is so good at before the fourth season, the third season, when suddenly his dad is alive again. Well, you know, geez. Part of the friggin', like, the whole thing. Let's in, not. I'm just saying, the whole thing that motivated him in Stairway to Heaven is he there and he watched his dad die slowly and painfully, and it informed all of his decisions about what he was doing with his wife. And then you go to season three and, oh, now his dad's alive again because they wanted to do an episode about Alzheimer's. God damn it. <laughs> well, nobody else had a living, had a, had a father that would have been old enough, right? I know, right? So it had to be Frank. So it had father. to be Frank. Well, no, because Vinny's dad is dead. So, you know, yeah. there you go. Mm. All right. So then uh, we got a wonderful scene of Lifeguard singing and making eyes at the woman he's singing with. And her boyfriend comes up to threaten him. And uh, he fought when he and he offers to back off when he finds out that uh, lifeguard doesn't have real legs and of course lifeguard takes this as an insult to his manhood of course of course and insists on fighting the guy which immediately goes terribly for him <laughs> he, gets, he he takes a punch and he falls over and because he's got fake legs and has and has tied one on he can't get back up in that sense, it is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, watching it. Is it funny. is funny. Yeah. It, but, no, it, is, know, it is legitimately it, funny. Like, it, please. No, no. It, it's just that it was probably sort of funnier 30 years ago or 25 yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I mean, what I love is the realism of how it yeah. plays. Yeah. Because right um well the stuff you find out later about dan in the episode you understand why he's you know ready to pick a fight because he's got yeah. stuff in his life that's going on but my favorite note is the 
and if you go back, it's it's such a great look that the actor does. The actor, you know, playing the guy who invites him to step outside. Yeah. When he starts to get up and he sees the cane, they do a close-up on the actor's face going, oh, hell, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, yeah. It's like a second and a half of his face being, oh, God damn it. I just, I just picked on a cripple. What the hell is wrong with me? Yeah. And then... <laughs> He has a moment of self-awareness and he tries to back out. And it's like, I like that about the character. I like that they oh, put yeah. in those character notes, even for this one scene character who's never going to be in the show again. They give him enough dignity to have these kind of character moments. Yes. And even when he does knock out with Mike, one punch, with he one apologizes punch. to Vinny and, says, <laughs> and well, Vinny's like, know. hey, back off, man. He's like, he wanted it. You know, he wanted <laughs> well, it, it wasn't it wasn't like he wasn't going to hit him more than once it was just yeah okay you know he wasn't going to let up until i hit him so i hit so him, I hit him. <laughs> you know oh, probably didn't scene. even hit him with a lot of force because no no I mean, dan was drunk and he dan, was drunk and he had, isn't holding his cane and he's cane, not yeah. steady on his legs <laughs> you know Jeez. Oh man, and he's frustrated and he goes off to bed and he wakes up in a hangover the next morning before the rest of them and like goes out to start fishing at 5 a.m. because he doesn't want to have to face anybody. Like there's lots of good character stuff. And then uh we get a comedy fly fishing scene. Yes. Which is very nice. Because fly fishing is awkward and Frank is, and you can you can kind of see this, like just the worst teacher. Oh god. Well, yes. Heaven forbid that he should have to teach his yeah uh, son his, to uh, to, ever, son to yeah, drive ever. or know, any right? of those things. It would be just horrendous. I mean, you're really you worried about his son learning to drive and do stuff. And that being said, he was good about teaching his son how to build a gazebo, but that was a unique situation where the kid's mother was dying. Now he's reverted back to how he normally is. Yeah, well, as Mary, she's over her sort of. Yeah, and. You know, yeah. and and everything is back to square one for Frank. Uh, and yeah. you can tell that when as as it goes along. I mean, the, the fishing scene was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. You know, even even to, uh, you know, Dan out there in his chair. Yes. Yeah. Dan is watching them and screaming. But then they actually catch a fish. They actually get a fish. And you know they end up having a pretty good day out fishing. It was it was a very positive experience, and the guys uh, they have some fun because they're talking to Vinny about it's like, well, is it serious with you and Amber? And uh, and Vinny's like, of course not. You know, I'm not looking for a relationship. And look at the two of you guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, would I want to get married? Divorced doesn't talk to his uh, like never sees his daughter because he's talked about how he you know feuding with his daughter a bit and how like when I got divorced I mean like I'm gonna be in my daughter's life all the time and it's like and I go from seeing her once a week you now right after the divorce to once every couple of weeks to then she goes to college I see her once every couple of months and suddenly you know I'm not in her life anymore and I realized that I never got a chance to be a father because I was too busy trying to like be her friend and now that she's marrying a guy that I don't like, she wants to get married to a guy I don't like, suddenly I can't pull the father card anymore because I gave that up 15 years ago. Well, not only that, not only that, but he hasn't even met the guy. He hasn't even met the guy. I mean, I could see that he didn't like her, him, if he had yeah. met him. 
but he hasn't yeah. even met the guy. He's just decided right off the top, his daughter's too young to get married. So that means this guy must be a schmuck. Yeah. Well, but to be fair, he does know that the guy is a sculptor. And so he has no respect for him whatsoever because he's a sculptor because he, you know, cause he's an artist and he's like, Oh, great. An artist. Like this is, this is who my daughter's going to marry. No, it's, it's a good scene. And it's like, you understand his frustration and they let you into all of the stuff underpinning his thing. And the weird part is like, he and we even find out that like this getting drunk and going to a bar and you know performing for adulation and hitting on women is what he's always done it's the thing that like again makes him feel like a man and makes him feel strong and it's the stuff that he did that screwed up all of his relationships in the past and he's still doing it yeah you know 25 30 years later he's still stuck in these bad patterns and he doesn't know how to stop them so yeah, well, I don't of... even know if he wants to stop them. <laughs> just every now and punched, then, he got punched out, and he woke up with a black eye and a hangover. I mean, and then he like stomp, stomped off to go hang out at a like a river before the sun even came up. He knows there's stuff wrong in his life. Oh yeah, but that doesn't mean he's going to change it. No, it doesn't mean he's going to. No, change. no, You're no, no, right. no, no. This is this is he's been doing this for way too long, and he doesn't see that there's anything particularly wrong with his life, and he doesn't see. I mean, for heaven's sakes, he's not even going to go to his daughter's wedding. Yeah, he was like, I'll pay well, for it. I'll pay for it. I paid for it. I'm paying for it. Yeah. Well, but I'm not going, you know. And I mean, they're all like, yeah, she doesn't want your money. She wants a father. She wants someone to walk her down the aisle, do father things, be supportive. And he's like, uh, and he doesn't know how to do it. Like, it's, it's a really, and again, we, before this episode, we knew nothing about him as a person, really. No. Like, we know he's got Vinny's back. We know he's in a wheelchair. But, like, we don't know a ton about him as a person, right? And you you get so much in this episode, and you're already so invested in him that they manage to sell it. And Frank gets his wonderful monologue about how his year away from his wife, I mean, it's probably longer than that at this point, has just been, like, he has finally accepted that it was absolutely the right thing for her to leave. And he's he hates her for leaving, but at the same time, he knows it was 100% the right thing to do and he wasn't strong enough to do it. Yeah. It's such a good monologue. Yeah, no, no. It's Frank has done a lot of soul searching. He has, he has. And that's why he's trying to like get Dan on the right course. It's just like his, his amazing monologue when it's like, it's the bravest thing I've ever uh, seen anyone do, that bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I hate her for doing it. It's the bravest thing I've ever seen anyone do. Frank's yeah. got a lot going on right now. Yeah. Oh God, no. But I mean, it's, it's such a good scene when they're sitting by the campfire, right? It really is. Like, it's just a fantastic scene where they get really open and they get deep into it. And this is where Vinny just comes out and says, how, if you guys are modeling marriage for me, why are you so excited for me to like quit being in the field and settle down if this is what I have to look forward to? Yeah. <laughs> and what do you call it? And it's, uh, again, the whole scene is fantastic. And then we get the the crux of the episode, which is... 
they're bedding down for the night and lifeguard's daughter shows up. Yeah, no, no, they're driving home. They drive oh, home. Oh, no, no, no. It's before they drive home. She shows up uh, while they're all still there because you have the great scene. They're driving home. You're right. Um, they're, and yes. they're planning to bed down for the night. Uh, you said home and I got confused and I thought about the end scene. But no, like they're no, driving no. back to the cabin for the night and the daughter's waiting for him. And they just have an argument that is so believably written and it just goes on and on and on and you get dan with his what do you call it with his most honest and his most clear and straightforward like look at the situation yeah his reasoning is great because he lays out what is going to happen that it's like a guy who is devoted to art, a guy who's devoted to a thing, he's never going to be devoted to a family. And before you know it, it's going to be, you're going to have a six months old, six month old kid, and you're going to sacrifice to your education and your career. And he's going to run off on you and like go sleep with other women and pursue art because that's what he cares more about. And she's like, I don't believe that. And he says, Well, your mother didn't believe that what was going to happen either. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn. Oof. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good scene. It's yeah. a fantastic performance from both him and the actress who plays the daughter, who, again, we've never seen before. Nope. Like, completely new character they're dropping in on us. And I, I don't know how long they rehearsed it. I don't know if they're just both fantastic, but they totally sell this dynamic between the two of them. Well, it's a pretty typical Yeah, dynamic. you're right. It's, not, <laughs> it's a pretty typical dynamic, but it's like, I guess what I'm saying is I totally believe that they're falling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And fighting like, like, you know, oh, yeah. and it's so funny watching Vinny and Frank in the other <laughs> Stuck room. Stuck in the trap Listen. in the next room. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to this. And then when they, when they finally go down, then, then of course, Frank and Vinny start fighting. <laughs> but yeah, like the daughter even does the thing of like, uh, Try, you know, calling a cab to come and get her in the yeah. middle of the nowhere just to get him to react. Like it's all, it's all a great scene. I love it. But yes, and then Frank and Vinny start fighting, and they get yelled at to keep it down because now other people are trying, trying to, sleep. to sleep. And she does agree to stay till the next day, and they'll talk it through. You know, and they'll yeah. talk it through, and they'll figure it out. So you end up with a strong resolution. And what I what I love is Frank and Vinny just being like they can't get a wink. They add like this is this is not for them. And it's like, and then they wake up the next morning and lifeguard and his daughter have headed back to town to like have a conversation and sort this thing out. And they're like, do either of us really want to stay here and fish? <laughs> <laughs> so they just drive out of there at 6 a.m. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's go. No, let's get the hell out of here. And then Frank calls his wife and invites her to dinner just so they can actually get together and check in and see how they've grown as people. And like, maybe this can work again. It's, it's a beautiful episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. It's a, it's just a beautiful episode all around. I was so happy with it. It's so many, like so many fantastic character beats, so many wonderful scenes. And it, it's the rare time off episode uh-huh. That does such a great job of setting up the character beats that it feels vital. You know what is yes, okay. And I would say that. I I agree with you the first time you're watching it. 
but after yeah. you watch the next the next yeah. season right the yeah, season I know. three it gets like, away from it's me. weird it's it's so weird they do such a good job with this episode and if it had been truly a one-off yeah i think it would have been um better but i think what happened in season three is they saw this as a template for stuff they should be doing more of and no i don't i i think that because as we will talk they were probably forced into doing things and there wasn't stuff they could do really all that much with Frank and Vinny. Yeah. Uh, to, to fill in the, this void of, I don't know what, but anyway, we'll talk about that with season three. Cause it's just such a disaster season three. It's yeah. not a, the disaster of season four, but season four doesn't count. Cause it's not Vinny. Well, season three is so fascinating because in the whole season, like look at season two, right? Um, you got uh, you got the white supremacy arc, you got the rag trade, and you got the music industry, and that's only three arcs. Yep. But they're all substantial arcs. Yep. Whereas in season three, again, you have three arcs, but they're all shorter, and they're all less substantial. And only the first one, like the second one, I love, and the third one is like just just so much fun that you can't help but like it. Well, you have to the love third the one, third arc. Well, the, you have to love, but we're not saying why. But the third arc is an arc that is made by people who know their show is being canceled. And so they don't care and they're just going to do whatever they want. So it's a lot of fun. It, yeah. it really is. It's But like only the first of the three arcs hits everything that a wise guy arc is supposed to, where it both tells an incredibly satisfying crime story and also digs deep into the characters in interesting ways. Yeah. The second two don't do that at all. Nope. But anyway. Like, we'll, we'll get there. The point is, Vinny gets back and he's like, just like seeing what, you know, Frank, even with all of the pain that Frank and Dan have been going through, like the the joys in their lives outweigh that. Screw it. I'm gonna call Amber. Yeah. I'm gonna call Amber. And he brings her over over a platter as she's trying to do some paperwork at Shakala. And and that's how the episode ends. It's it's sweet and it's fun. And I really love the episode for that part. And you're absolutely right that this episode is a harbinger for the worst of wise guy but it is a harbinger for the worst of wise guy that is in and of itself a really good episode of wise as guy. i said as an episode and it does it does work to introduce ember um yeah. it does make work, amber a central character in the show it does work to humanize mike uncle mike yeah it does do and it does do and we can see the development that frank has gone through since yeah. he's left his wife yeah, it's our first real personal check-in with Frank since Stairway to Heaven, and yeah. it does a really good job. And it does a good job it. of all of those things, and my line is only, if it had been a one-off, it would have been if so much never, better. Yeah, if we had never done an episode like this again. Oh, God, I'm just, I, I, I'm even wondering if you know which episode I'm thinking about now, <laughs> but 
Well, oh, I, well, well, yes, we'll both, when we get there, say this is the episode. <laughs> that I was thinking about how bad things get in season three. All right, so uh, first up, uh, we have, now first up, second up, we have La Lacrima de Amore, part one, uh, which means, again, the tears, the tears of, of love. love. The tears of love, part one. And it's weird to do part one and part, not part two today, but they're actually, despite the fact that they are framed as one big episode and aired on the same night, they're very clearly like two episodes to the point where there's a cliffhanger at the end of the first one that obviously you should have watched, waited a week. They want you to wait a week before seeing the second one. So that's what we're doing to all y'all. But it does create some confusion because the episode starts with Poochie playing the accordion in a gentleman's club. Sorry, in a, um, not gentleman's club, a, a social club, yes. right? I think it's Poochie. It looks like him, but it's completely in shadow. It's hard to tell. Uh, it could just be a uh, uh, accordion player. And you're like, for the next hour, none of what you just saw in that opening, a guy playing the accordion in front of a wall with a weird light, makes any sense whatsoever. Only in the second hour do we actually get to that location. You know, but it's still a nice scene. So we check in with Amber, her lawyer, Roger, uh, Thomas Ian Griffith, who uh, I'm a huge fan of for, okay, well, I'll just say it. Uh, right in this, right when he was making this, he had just made The Karate Kid Part 3. And in The Karate Kid Part 3, he played a character named Terry Silver, who I list as one of the great film villains of all time. And he, he had a problem with his career, Thomas Ian Griffith, which is when you look at him and when you hear him talk, you're like, uh, oh God, now I'm blanking the other actor's name. And he's, he's, oh, okay, I got it. You're like, why would you ever hire this man when you can get Michael Wincott? <laughs> and it's just every now and then there's an actor who comes along and there's a more successful actor who he does everything, like who's got the same look, who has the same persona, acting style, everything. And you're like, I know why you never got to be famous. It's because there was already a Michael Wincott. And that was Thomas Ian Griffith's problem. He's perfectly talented. He's a lot of fun. Terry Silver is one of the great villains of all time to the point where they wanted him to come back for the TV show Cobra Kai, uh, which yeah. is the sequel to The Karate Kid. Yeah. And he is retired from acting. Like he retired from acting 10 years ago. He's like, I'm not coming back for a TV show. I'm retired from acting. And the fan community around The Karate Kid and Cobra Kai essentially campaigned for three full years, begging him to come and be on the show. And so after that, after three straight years of essentially begging him to come back, he's like, fine, I'll unretire from acting and be on your show so yeah like that's that's how much this guy is beloved in a certain community but here he's just playing roger the sleazy lawyer yep and so this is another episode which is a character it's a character episode but it's entirely about amber and Vinny, and can they be compatible as people yes. right that's what it comes down to. So we open up with her still having legal problems because they've got to settle out all of the unpaid taxes. Because here's the fun part uh, that they don't really talk about, they didn't really talk about before now. Uh, Isaac scammed a lot of money. Yep. And he's not going to be, they're not being criminally charged and the government's not taking that money, but all the money that Isaac scammed 
is legally income that he should have been paying taxes on. (laughs) And now Amber has to pay all those taxes. Luckily, she still owns a building in Midtown. So she's able to put a, uh, she's able to put a, um, a lien on the bill, uh, sorry, a new mortgage on the building to pay the back taxes, but it's still a rough situation and it's still financially complicated. And the Roger is like, you know, you could always just sell Shackle of Records. Is this really what you want to be doing with your life? And then we get a character played by Mike Starr. We go over to Vinny and Mike Starr comes over to install his new stereo. Uh, last time we saw Vinny trying to install a stereo, it was it wasn't going very well. Now you can say that was because he had just had a you know had his legs smashed and he wasn't focusing. But we saw him uh, trying to install a stereo; it wasn't going well. This time he's hired professionals, so there you go. Yeah. And Mike Starr, beloved actor Mike Starr from Miller's Crossing, is in it. Yes, oh, love him in Miller's Crossing. And a hundred other movies, but he's he'll always be Mike Starr from Miller's Crossing to me. Um, and he this character is someone who went to high school with Pete. So he's like three or four, three years older than uh three years older than Vinny, went to high school with Pete, and so like they kind of know each other. And so they, you know, they do the little talk about old times and how like you know he was a football star in high school, and now he's just like a guy who's installed stereos, and he seems perfectly happy with his life and uh Vinny's like you know why didn't you go pro like you could have been the next Ditka and uh he's like well I can still beat his record for heart attacks it's a good line Uh, you know uh, (laughs) yeah you know yes he he knocked up his girlfriend we we get into that in the next scene yeah Yeah. we actually cut and back and forth but you're right we can just get right into that because we cut back and forth between roger and amber and then what's going on with uh and mike Starr. and as you say he knocked up his um he knocked up his girlfriend he was going to a catholic college and so a guy couldn't marry his knocked up girlfriend and stay in the catholic college and so he essentially got drummed out you know of uh, school and he's just like had to Uh and he's just had to you know do what he could and what he could was finding a job well you know? he couldn't go he couldn't go on yeah he couldn't no he going. said he said he couldn't not marry her i exactly. don't think he was drummed out of his his, his high for school for knocking her up he was he well, had no, to marry coach. her yeah well yeah he had to marry he he was going to marry her that was just because this was you know and of course this just means vatican roulette didn't work <laughs> and um <laughs> You She's know. talking about the rhythm method, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Vatican yeah. roulette. That's well, a that's, good name. No, no, I know. That's a real, I know. It's just a very <laughs> funny name. I had forgotten that. That's yes. funny. Uh, but yeah, okay, as you so, said, you're right. Because Vinny says, couldn't you like you just drag your family around uh, with you? And he if said you turn no. Pro? No. He's like, you can't do that to kids. And he's like, and, I'm perfectly happy with my kids, you know, and, and my wife and, and my wife if, and, you know, my life of just like working a job and come for supper. Yeah. <laughs> and he tells me to come for supper. And it's interesting because it's so smart for them to do this, because after such a fraught episode about relationships and how painful it is yes. to choose between your career and your family, then you got this character who's like, no, I just picked my family. It's fine. Yeah, I just picked my family and I'm perfectly happy. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's like you can live life not driven and obsessed with a career the way all the other men on this show are. Yeah. 
and they're all they're driven and they're obsessed with their career and their station in life and their status and climbing the ladder and here's the guy's like no i got a wife and i got kids and that's it and there's nothing wrong with that it's it's nice like it's a nice thing and as he says he invites them over for dinner and then so uh goes to see amber but uh we found out from roger that there's an issue well no she he calls amber about meeting and we found out from roger that there's an issue which is he says that in order for shakala to fully you know a become yours and b not have any more legal problems we need assurance like the banks who have to loan you money to do this have to be ensured that there is no criminal element involved which means vinnie terranova's contract with the company is problematic yeah and so Amber is clearly not happy about the idea of cutting out uh, Vinny from the business and maybe her life. And so she hems and haws about that. Then we get the wonderful dinner, dinner scene with Mike Starr's family, you know, with, uh, which yes. is super pleasant. And we get some, mu- you know, them yelling at the kids to turn down the music in the background. And you're like, I wonder what that music originally was when this episode aired. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like it's the it's the worst most generic catalog music in the world. I'm like, oh, I wonder what song that teenager was playing, right? Yeah, I know. It'd be interesting to go back to go and find out if we could if it turns. Maybe I have them on VHS somewhere. I've never checked. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then uh, and of course, Vinny has told Amber, right? Vinny has told Amber that it's fine. He'll sign whatever he has to to protect the company. Shackle is important to him and she's important to him. He's doing everything right. He's being very reasonable. But when he gets home from dinner at Mike Starr's, a process server is there to hand him a restraining order. <laughs> oh. And we all knew that the sleazy lawyer was responsible for that oh, one. Of course. And so even though he's just been handed a restraining order, he's kind of pissed about it and he wants to go see Amber. And then we see Amber and we find out that maybe things aren't as rosy for Shakala as we thought because one of the band's managers, one of her band's managers can be like, I don't like this, all this drama around the feds and the police. I'm going to take the boys somewhere else. Yeah. And of course she could sue them about breaking a contract but that would be a big mess and that's going to make her look bad with her other acts so it's 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 a bad situation for her and it's hurting her business obviously yeah and of course roger uses this as another excuse to say hey uh maybe you know maybe you should just sell the thing you know like you've got you're a rich woman why not spend the rest of your life enjoying the fact that you're a rich woman oh and we find out that roger and her dated back when she was you know yeah uh, before she married isaac uh they casually dated when he was like a law school student and she was a musician and she was married he was married and he was married (laughs) yep yes he was married and wouldn't leave his wife yeah and so it's a it's a whole thing with roger and so Vinny comes in to confront them about the restraining order. He doesn't like Roger. He thinks he's obviously a sleaze. And yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But uh, Roger has the, here's the document you have to sign to say you have absolutely no association with Chocola Records and never will. Why don't you sign it? And then all this will be over with. And of course, Vinny's like, yeah, I'm going to have a lawyer look at this. I'll have my lawyer. Yeah, I'll have my lawyer look at this. You ain't my lawyer. And he goes to, and this is like, 
maybe the first time this has ever happened he just goes to the lifeguard's loft to talk to him yeah <laughs> like i don't think that, i don't know that that's ever happened before no frank has frank has plenty of times but i think mm-hmm. Vinny just like Vinny just driving a lifeguard's loft is kind of weird then we but it's it's great they have another uh conversation Vinny's pissed off and you know Dan, of course, is circumspect because he's emotionally removed from this. And he sees that Vinny's in love with this lady. And he is not ready to admit that to himself. But, you know, he's moving in the right direction and he's got to control himself to keep from screwing this up. And then we find out that Amber is currently rooming with a character they introduced because they need someone for Amber to talk to. Because otherwise, how are we going to know what Amber is feeling? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Right. Like this, a character that exists only so another character can say her feelings too. I mean, it just when you're a writer, you got to do this crap sometimes. Well, not only that, but it, but what I like about it, at least they give her a plausible reason for being there. Yes, that her yeah. that she's come back to New York. Her apartment is being leased out, and it's yeah. just going to be. She's got like a her. She's an actress, so half of her time is in LA, half of her time is new in New York, mm-hmm. and she's in New York auditioning for plays. And there's currently a sublet in her apartment that's not going to be gone for a couple of weeks, so she's got to stay with him. I mean, it's it's perfect. It makes perfect sense because yeah. this is the kind of friend she would have. But it's like again, whenever you see a character like this. Well, I wish they had been introduced before they were needed, you know? Well, no, but this woman would have been in L.A. That's why we didn't exactly. need her. Oh, no, no, I know. It's like, <laughs> I, I you know, know I, I, in a lot of shows, I would complain. In this one, yes, the reason is Amber needs to talk to somebody. Yeah. We got to get this relationship moving quickly. So yeah. let's just throw this woman in. It's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Give her a reasonable reason. I mean, and that's the care. Yeah, that's what that's what I like to see is the care to give her a sensible Com- reason for being, being in there. that apartment. Yeah. Not no, just totally that right. she dropped in and Amber decides to open her guts. No, no, she's actually living with Amber for about. Yeah, they're three old weeks. friends, and she's living with her for three weeks, so it just makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And um, so then Vinny drops by with some uh, with a thing of flowers to apologize. Quite understandably for the uh, quite understandably for, you know, kind of freaking out on Roger and making a fuss at the uh, office earlier in the day. Uh-huh. And so uh, he wants to take her out to dinner and we see that he's still driving the same car. I don't know. Like, I know he likes his car. I know it's his like car that he got when he uh, got out of college and had to go undercover as a criminal, started being undercover as a criminal. And it's a really nice car, but it's like, you know that car was used in a robbery where a cop got killed, right? Like, maybe switch out for another car at some point. Uh, but yeah, they go out, they drive, they have a talk, they have a good time. She goes back to, he drops her off at her place. And then as he's uh, getting ready to leave, Roger turns up at her place and it's like nine at night. So that's a little late for Roger to get there. And he's pretty situa- uh, pretty, you know, unhappy about the situation. And of course, uh, Roger is, you know, trying to uh, 
Oh my God, I got it completely wrong. Yes, I was going to say, I'm sitting not here Not showing up at her place, showing up at the restaurant. It's not that they have a good, he drives her to the restaurant. Is, yes. He drives no, her no, to the restaurant. No, they were meeting at the restaurant. It's the restaurant he drives her to. I'm and, not a smart person. And then he sees, just as That they was Roger, she was meeting, and she didn't say who she was meeting. Yes. Yes. And so he's like, why was she keeping the secret that she's meeting Roger? Yes. And he, again tries to talk her into selling you know and he's playing every card he has you know talking about how hard it is to be a woman in the business talking about their relationship you know in some way eh, trying to seduce her a little just like using like obviously he wants her to sell Mm -hmm. and it is clear in all of their interactions that that is always his priority that is always what is first on his mind is wanting her to sell and Vinny's like I need to find a uh, goes to, and then we get just a hilarious scene where V goes to a bookstore to try and figure out like, maybe I can get a card. Like I, it's not clear. I can't express myself and what I'm feeling to Amber. I'll just get a card that says it. And he can't find a card that says it. So he talks to the guy who runs the store about it. And it's like, what do you do about relationships? And it's like, this is a bookstore. You get a relationship book. <laughs> <laughs> And he picks out like the, worst the most possible. worthless book. <laughs> like the worst book he could possibly get. Selfish you, slav- slavish me. <laughs> oh my God. It was just, it's bad. It was, I mean, I, I do like the levity periodically. Oh you know? yeah, no, they get they get the jokes in and it's pretty wonderful. But yeah, so Vinny drops off the book with her. Uh, he drops off the book at her building so she'll get it when she gets home. That's right. She did all that while he, uh, he did all that while she was at dinner with Roger. So there you oh, go. To be in New York City where everything is open 24 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, New York City in the 80s, especially. Yeah. Uh, so then we get another scene with Amber and her friend and uh, we find out something that they were always afraid to discuss in television because they don't want us to realize how rich people on television are. Uh, they actually have Amber say how much money she has, that if she were to sell everything and liquidate everything and pay all the fines and pay all the taxes and all the debts, she would have $11 million lying around. Yep. That's pretty good. That's oh, in $1990. That's in $1990, right? And... Uh, so Vinny does something a little unethical and has Frank run a background check on Roger because he doesn't like the look of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a nice touch, right? Uh, so um, there is a, uh, a kind of a, a really nice touch when Frank is in the scene. I don't know if you noticed it, but when Frank is talking to Vinny, Mm-hmm. And he's obviously a little like Vinny, you shouldn't be doing background checks on romantic rivals. And Vinny tries to say, no, I think there's something up with him. But let's face it, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's both. But while Frank is talking to him, and again, you want to talk about positioning, right over Frank's left shoulder is the picture of Pete on the day he got his, uh, um, what do you call ordainment. Mm-hmm. On the day of his ordainment. So there's like a little angel essentially on Frank's shoulder reminding Vinny not to be corrupt in this way while Frank's talking to him. And I'm like, they thought through everything on this show. Mm-hmm. 
like all of those little details that you don't even notice the first time. Like you would never notice the first time, but it's like, essentially you have a shot for Frank to take on the moral authority that Pete used to give for yep. Vince. Yeah, like this is a show, no other show was doing stuff like this in America at the time. Like nobody else was working on this level where every part of the production cared just as much, right? about the story they were telling and the characters they were portraying. It's not like the people doing the music just phoned it in or the people doing the set dressing just phoned it in. Everyone was firing on all cylinders all the time. And it's amazing to watch because it's such a good show. But Vinny's like, no, I'm gonna settle this. And then we find out that we get a scene with Roger uh, at the Swash Club and find out that, oh no, he is a dirtbag. Yep, a real <laughs> true dirt bag. oh and he's just like openly talking about how he's manipulating amber to get her to sell yep he needs her to sell because unidac wants the properties that's right it's unidac again <laughs> every time a sinister corporation is mentioned in the show it's always unidac industries which is a giant you know conglomerate it's a giant conglomerate that has that makes missiles and also redevelop uh, property and it's like it's it's got its fingers in everything it's one of a ge style mega corporation and so uh vinnie goes to sign the paperwork to clear away from uh right uh, find, to sign the paperwork to clear away so she can sell and not be involved and he's not involved in shackle anymore and Amber comes in and once again, they have a fight because essentially Vinny's accusing her of sleeping with Roger, <laughs> you know? And why and, do you care? Yeah, and he's, she's like, why do you care? And he's like, God damn it. And he just storms out because he's bad at talking about his emotions. He's always been bad about talking about his emotions. But he still, you know, he still says to Roger, I know you're up to no good. And then he does storm off, uh, but not before Amber slaps him. <laughs> it's a good scene. And it is, it is, and again, it's a great performance by Ken Wall, who's just plays the frustration of Vinny not being able to communicate. He just doesn't know how. He has never oh, no. learned how to be vulnerable and to communicate in this way. Uh -huh. He's able to talk to her about cassavas. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> to joke about, yeah, like to joke about ladies' cassavas and blah, 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 blah. But when it's like, comes time to say, I care about you, he doesn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't know how to do it. And it's, it's a good performance from him to the point where it's like, we actually get a scene of just him sitting, uh, sitting in his house all to himself and he's sitting there thinking okay roger right is is the problem that i'm just jealous or do i trust my instincts and he and he honestly has like a heart to heart with himself over whether he's just jealous cuz roger's trying to get his lady or is like is he right and roger's a bad guy but he has that moment of doubt and he has that moment of consideration. He's like, no, I, I have, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for years. When I know someone's hinky, someone's hinky. So he goes through the file and he reads it extensively, right? And he's like, wait a minute. 
Rogers company works for Unidac and covers Unidac Industries. And every time I've gone to the, uh, right, every time I've gone to Amber's building in the last month, there have been signs about buildings that Unidac is tearing down and people putting up flyers saying, keep Unidac from destroying the neighborhood in the name of gentrification and redevelopment. Mm -hmm. It's like Rogers working for Unidac. And in a miraculous bit of timing, he calls Amber to apologize for his behavior the second time in the episode he's had to do that. (laughs) (laughs) He calls to apologize. Oh, and tells her, just FYI, Roger's working for Unidac Industries. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the thing. Uh, Let's just say that here's the thing about real estate in New York. If it turned out, uh, if it's a woman trying to just get out of her owning a business in New York, yeah, she can sell that building for, you know, $8 million, $10 million. Uh, but if that same woman knows that a giant mega corporation is trying to redevelop that area of New York, suddenly that building is worth $50 or $60 million at this time. Mm-hmm. And so Roger is essentially trying to cheat her out of $50 million. Yep. And so she turns around and says, hey, a guy who wants to buy my music company, are you going to turn around and sell my music company to Unitac Industries? And he's like, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. And she plays the greatest card she has, which is, okay, well, then let's just add to the contract that if you, the guy who says he wants to buy my music company, want to sell it anytime in the next decade, I get first right of refusal to buy it back at the exact same price I sold it to you for. Yep. And at that moment, the guy who was running the front company knows they're screwed and just decides to, you know, mm. we'll just call it. This is over. This is Roger, over. It ain't going to work. Have, yeah. Roger, you have failed. Like you were supposed to handle this and you failed. And so now she has finally got clarity over, okay, well, who is the person who has you know, uh, who is the person who has been there for me the whole time and been supportive of me the whole time. And maybe he's bad at expressing it, but, you know, maybe I haven't been very good about communicating either. And so then she shows up at Vinny's so they can have another fight. But this time Mike Starr is there to negotiate and invites both of them over for dinner. such a good scene yeah oh and then you get you know the wonderful scene of both Vinny and amber seeing like what a normal life is like and, you know it's like maybe you could have this if you wanted to like if you prioritized your relationship if you prioritized each other and just set your careers and your egos aside for a second maybe you could have something special and you're never going to see mike star again on this show he just like drops in to get everyone's head in the right place. And then he disappears. And there's no room for Mike Starr in the rest of the show. But like, do you want to talk about one of the all-time great, like one episode characters? He's up there. Because Probably. Like, he never, and I'm going to, I know this is going to sound weird. Her friend who's rooming with her mm-hmm. openly feels like a contrivance. Uh It's the best possible contrivance. I agree with you. But it feels like a contrivance in a way that Mike Starr's character doesn't feel like a contrivance. 
Oh no, this just my feels sister. like a part of this world. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy from the neighborhood, you know. He feels like he's part of Vinny's world, you know. And like he's so cool about everything. I just I love his performance in this. You know, it's so rare to see him just like playing a, a neighborhood dad. He's such a big guy. He so gets like, slotted into villain roles so often. Yes, it's like seeing him just playing a neighborhood dad is so refreshing. No, I, I loved it. I love his, I love this scene and I love his character. Well, the casting for this show across the board. Oh, no, is... they, they knocked it out of the park every time. <coughs> Gesundheit. Uh, they did. And then so Vinny and Amber go back to his place and they kiss and they're finally a couple. Finally. <laughs> like we've been waiting for, uh, you know, two episodes for this, you know, and then we do a montage of, I can't tell you exactly, but them dating for two months. Like it, it feels must like have it's got to be like two months, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's yeah. pretty settled. Yeah, they're like settledly in a committed dating exclusive relationship by the end of the montage. Mm-hmm. So this has been like months. And then he tells her the story of uh, Area for Don Ayupo. So we just do a recap of the whole episode of Area for Don Ayupo, including clips from it. And then he calls and he's like, huh, uh, you know what? It's uh, the next morning. He's like, calls to just say, uh, by the way, mom, I'm seeing somebody. And we find out, by the way, that uh, her and Rudy are taking one of those year-long honeymoons. Yes. They got money. They got all the money. They're seeing all of Italy like one hotel at a time. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like literally a year long honeymoon that they're spending mostly in Italy, which is kind of nice. And so he calls his mother and he says, you know, I've met some, and I wanted to talk to you because I was telling somebody about you and Rudy last night, got me thinking about you. So I just wanted to see how the, uh, how the honeymoon's going. Honeymoon's going. And she's like, oh, okay. And she turns to Rudy and says, we're going back to America. Vinny's getting married. She hangs up. Right, she hangs, she hangs up the up. phone. She of doesn't course, tell Vinny. Right. Yeah, of course. She's like, Vinny's getting married. We have to get back to America right away. Let's cancel the rest of our honeymoon. Oh, it's such a good ending. Oh, my God. And this is, we're about to get the best Carlotta episode in the entire series. Coming up yeah. next week. Mm-hmm next week but it's like this these two episodes and this one is technically the first part of a Mm two-parter but these two episodes are like i I mean they're not as good as white noise and stairway to heaven i'm not gonna say that but they're like a master class in how to still do a fantastic dramatic narrative that is 99 percent about uh, just developing these characters and figuring out who these characters are and being honest about their relationships and their experiences, while it's at the same time, it still moves the story forward. It still has, it still satisfies the plot with, while while doing character episodes, you know? Yes, and yeah, no, it, 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 Yes, it does feel like that. You're you're getting you know it's going somewhere, and when you get to the end of the season, 
mm-hmm. you know that it's setting up for something to happen the next season. Yes. And, and we'll I think that's that key. Week. Yep. And we will talk about that at the beginning of uh, the third season. Uh, which well, no, starts no, off- next week, we're just doing the end of the second season. Because there's oh, one more oh, episode I in the see. second season, La Lacrima de Amore Part 2 is still part of season two, even though it is the first episode of a five episode arc where the first episode is in season. Is, I mean, it's kind of confusing because the first episode of this five episode arc is the last episode of season two. And then the first episode of season, uh, first four episodes of season three are the rest of the story arc. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's the weirdest structure they ever did on the show. But like they full on, there's going to be a cliffhanger. There's going to be an arc. And this episode isn't really part of that arc, but next episode absolutely is. Yeah. Oh, all right. And I, I can't wait to get to it because, I mean, I, I've rewatched I actually, the whole a couple of times. I actually watched please. it. Which oh, you, you already watched it? To get to okay. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard not to, because if you watch La Lacrima de Amore Part 1, obviously you're going to watch La, La Lacrima Part Amore, uh, yeah. de Amore Part 2 right away. And once you've done that, aren't you just going to watch the next four episodes? Well, that's, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to do. But it did mean changing the discs in my DVD player. <laughs> okay. And that is a commitment, by the way. That is a commitment. Actually getting up and swapping out those DVDs <laughs> in this and day and we age. Had to, and, we had to do, and we had to do a podcast. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's good, though. I mean, those are great episodes. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Like, just the best work of Robert Davi's entire career. Well, and it's, it's sad. It's sad he didn't get an Emmy nomination for it because he's so good. Yes, and he could have gotten episodes. it the year after Tim Curry should have gotten it. <laughs> exactly. Like it's it's not Tim Curry level. Like, um, oh, and it's not even Tim Curry's the best villain. It's not Sonny Steelgrave. It's not Tim Curry. He's fantastic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's in that season. Yeah, but, he's um, fantastic in season three. But hey, we're going to get there soon enough. Uh, right now, though, I'll just tell you what our plans are next. We will be back here next week for episode 222, La Lacrima de Mare Part 2. And then we're just going to talk for a little while about season two as a whole. Probably not going to have to do too much of that, given how much we've talked about the structure of season two all year. But mm-hmm. we are going to talk a little bit about it. And then we are going to... Uh, take a week off and during that week off uh, appropriately uh, appropriately enough you're going to hear us talk about the first two episodes of Vincenzo a Korean drama about a half Italian half Korean mob boss who goes to (laughs) war with a pharmaceutical corporation and it's an amazing show I've only seen the first two episodes she's seen the whole thing but she's assured me it only gets better and crazier from what I've seen uh, so this should be a fun ride and then after that goes on the the first Wednesday when we take a break between season two and season three that's going to be the Tuesday show from then on as we continue into season three yeah uh, and of course Vincenzo is available on Netflix if you want to watch it along with us mm-hmm. all right so uh, we'll see you back here next week until then if you have any questions if you have any comments if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out please drop us a line at profiling criminal minds at gmail.com we would love to hear from you we're going to see you back here next week but until then if you're listening to this in some sort of an app or podcatcher be sure to rate and review it because that's how people find the show see you soon but until then 
Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.